genre. Welcome to another, our final we edition of uh, of the Golden Mile, the road to the world's end. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time we are talking about Paul, which is not a film that inspired the world's end really in any way. No. Um, but was the thing that uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost did between Hot Fuzz and the world's end. We would be doing an episode on Scott Pilgrim if we didn't do a whole podcast about Scott Pilgrim on the Patreon. But you can listen to for as little as uh, a dollar. A dollar a month. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, Paul. Paul, directed by Greg Matola. Yep. Written by Frost and Peg. Uh, we're Scott Corelli and Nick Jimenez. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. In case this is your first episode, sure. which would be weird, <laughs> but thing. welcome. Uh, yeah. So like we've have we been getting People have been asking us to talk about this movie. Yeah. There's a demand. Yeah. Because, I don't know, it has this, it occupies this weird space in the right peg frost mm-hmm. fandom mm-hmm. because it is, it is technically part of the the canon and that it's like, if you're a completist yeah, and you want to see like, oh, like, oh, this was written by them. Right. Yeah. Was- I mean, it's not, yeah, it's not any different than like Scott Pilgrim, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. like Scott Pilgrim is... Uh, just Edgar Wright, mm-hmm. and so this is just uh, Simon Pegg and Nick yeah. Frost. And if you're like me, and if you're like us, and are active nerds for those two, of those the, those all of those guys' careers and work, it's really super interesting to watch this mm-hmm. and see what carries over, mm-hmm. what's amplified, mm-hmm. and what's missing. Mm-hmm. And I think you get a better sense of who Pegg and Frost are as writers. Yeah, when. Less so Frost, because I haven't seen a lot of things that he's written. Right. So yeah. it's hard to tell, like, what's just him. him. Yeah, what's just him yeah. in this case. And it's such, this is such an interesting movie. Yeah. Um, I remember watching it back in 2011 yep. in, in theaters yep. and not loving it. Yeah. Not being like, that was amazing. Right. Like I have with everything else. Right. But now in the you know nine years that this movie's been out... Uh, I think it's aged really well. I think it has well parts. Well, of it. parts of it for yeah. sure, for sure. Yeah, as it, as a as a movie on its own, it, it has aged well. There are things within it that have not aged well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's still not hilarious, right? There's a lot of misses, right? There's a lot of. I mean, like I look at a comedy as almost like a baseball game. Yeah, and like or you know, like where it's like, okay, that was a hit, that was a miss, that was a hit, yeah. that was a miss, that was a miss, that was a miss. And there's like a lot of jokes in this that are like not great. Yeah, and, there's like there's like a lot of like um this was like kind of the last throw of like where you could use like the F slur. Yeah, the F slur as like a joke. Mm-hmm. Um like ah it's funny he called them the F word and it's like yeah. ah. Oh, you mean those couple of F words that were at the cafe? Yeah. And and that, right and now you're like, "Uh." Yeah, you're like, Ugh. "It's like the R word." Yeah. When, yeah. When you hear it, you're like, "What?" 
Yeah, don't do so. Why? Why say that? Yeah, so many other things you could say. Uh, yeah. So this was like I. I feel like this was right at the tail end of that still being like socially acceptable. Acceptable. Yeah. Um, I think by 2012 it was like done. Like right. you couldn't do it. Yeah, and it was like, I, it's so weird because there wasn't like a singular thing that happened in American comedy or world comedy. It no. just sort of we we all sort of collectively as a society felt it happen. I you know I honestly think. Um, when did I Love You, Man come out? Uh, I want to say nine. Nine. I think that that was the turning point. Mm-hmm. Um, Hot Fuzz, and I think that movie was the turning point of just like, you know, we don't have to make a gay joke every time. Two men are affectionate to- towards one another. Right. We can just deal with it earnestly. And in a way, that's almost funnier. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's so unexpected. Because I Love You, Man. The tagline was, are you man enough to say it? Right. It was about like, it's okay. Yeah. It's a comedy about male platonic love. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. I love you, man. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of my favorite Jason Siegel performances. Slapping the bass. Slapping the bass. <laughs> hey there, money pussy. How would you like to hop on a ride in my jetpack? I think about that movie a lot, actually. <laughs> I yeah I like it because it's like barely about anything yeah it's because it's a hangout movie yeah it's definitely a hangout movie and this uh, I got minorly obsessed I mean I was just I was when this movie came out I was in that mode of anytime Peg or Frost were on a podcast I would listen to it oh yeah and they were on an episode of uh, Creative Screenwriting Magazine hosted by Jeff Goldsmith telling mm-hmm. you to stay out of trouble till next week I think now it's called like the Q and A yeah and uh, I remember there was a, a conversation between Frost and Peg. Where they kind of talked about, so Peg and Frost went on a road trip funded by Universal, right, in a camper, much like the one they drive in the movie, yeah. To kind of, the movie's about it's. I know, it's not, they were like they were like mining material, yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. Like, to like drive through America, right, and, building up experiences because they talk about how the 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 scene in the UFO diner actually happened, yeah, where they were accosted by two like rednecks. Yeah, who uh, like called them f words, yeah. and and the lady, the the waitress the owner lady, was like really pushy and like, hey, what, what, like had like a weird vibe about her. Yeah. So they like you know that so like Jane Lynch ends mm-hmm. up playing her in the movie, and uh, and while there were there were drafts of this movie or drafts of the screenplay that were a bit more a, a big inspiration for them were the early Spielberg movies like Sugarland Express, uh huh, and Amblin, yeah, where they were kind of like, oh, isn't this nice. Yeah, and uh, or also uh, uh, Paul was sort of inspired by Ferris Bueller, uh huh. In that the world does not change Ferris Bueller, or the world is changed by Ferris Bueller, uh huh. And so there were more scenes of them at a campfire with Paul and Paul sort of waxing philosophical about God and the universe and sexuality, right? And watch it, and then watch the movie sort of slowly became more and more of a of a wacky. Studio comedy. Studio driven, yeah, set piece driven comedy. Right. And I remember listening to that podcast and thinking like, wow, I almost kind of wish that that movie had survived. Uh Uh-huh. The sort of wistful Amblin 70s John Hughes comedy. Sure. Because there was going to be a scene where where Paul and Ruth, played by Kristen Wiig, sort of have a conversation about faith. Yeah. And like God and Paul being like, well, you know, maybe we don't know what's out there, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, that's a little more interesting because I actually think the Ruth stuff in this is like a little too broad. Yeah, it and is pretty broad. It kind of dumbs the movie down, ironically. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
it just well it oversimplifies it anyway yeah and it yeah. kind of i don't know there's this there's this rule in that the upright citizens brigade brigade whatever teaches you <laughs> called like right writing to the top of your intelligence uh-huh and i feel like ruth is written to be dumb yeah by peg and frost and she also like becomes smart really quickly yeah all of a sudden all of a sudden it's just like oh now she's just talking like a normal person yeah you know it's like it's like after they after like paul is giving her lessons on how to curse <laughs> like after that the character just a normal person again the character just drops yeah and it's a shame because it's Kristen wick one of the mm-hmm. greatest actors of our generation and this was like her first feature role wow because well i mean like probably first like she's in this movie because like you know she's a knocked up as like a right but she wasn't like a lead yeah yeah, yeah. for sure because like this was a uh... whoa this is 2011 yeah so bridesmaids was that summer yeah that's crazy yeah what a time yeah uh but yeah like uh i just i just this is such an interesting movie to me like as an american mm-hmm. there this movie has such a love for america mm-hmm. as a concept mm-hmm. and as an idea mm-hmm. you know and i've kind of I picked up from Edgar Wright interviews and or even maybe just like other people from the UK that America sort of occupies this mythological space. Yeah. Like, oh, that's where movies are. Right. That's right. where movies take place. Right. Ghostbusters. Right. Right. Easy Rider. Yeah. And Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And so to the the America that exists in Paul, I think, is a very interesting place. Yeah. And very like picturesque. Very inspired by the films that they constantly yeah that they're, they're referencing in it yeah um yeah i mean i think i think the biggest problem with the movie is not that edgar wright didn't direct it because again if edgar wright we talked about this off mic but if edgar wright had directed this like some people think that he did like <laughs> yeah it's the it's it's everyone's least favorite edgar wright movie that he didn't direct right had nothing to yeah. do with um but uh yeah like if he had directed it, it would be a completely different movie like yeah because he is a very meticulous director and um that's not matola's vibe and that's definitely not what the script vibe is however what i do think is the problem with this movie is that matola can't decide between whether he wants this to be like a super bad hangout improv heavy movie mm-hmm. or a very meticulously made like love letter to Spielberg. Yeah. Uh, uh, like Swiss watch of a movie. Yeah. Swiss, Swiss watch of a comedy. Um, the, you know, the difference there to me is like, is like, um, you know, in American terms, it's like, you know, super bad versus like game night. Right? Definitely. Yeah. That's a good that, yeah. game. Night's not a hangout movie. Like that is a very meticulously scripted Swiss film. army watch. Yeah. It's a Swiss army watch. Yeah, for sure. And I think that what they end up doing is sort of trying to make it a hangout movie without improv because you can't do the improv with a CGI character. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so you end up with this movie that is trying to like ape the feeling of those improv heavy hangout movies mm-hmm. without being an improv movie yeah for sure and so it doesn't it just like the tone of it just feels kind of off yeah where it's just it, it by by kind of existing in the middle it never strongly cements itself and where we're we've we've gotten so used to when we see frost and peg together the tight yeah like, that's like, Swiss watch that's Swiss watch but then they're so in love with the 
you know, they 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 describe in like the behind the scenes documentary that we were kind of watching after this was uh, America as a character, mm-hmm. and like that kind of vibe, that kind of Amblin, mm-hmm. like John Hughesy, like oh, we're just hanging out vibe. That it, it it the movie is constantly wrestling between those two vibes, mm-hmm. and to to varying degrees. Where there's scenes of them hanging out that I really enjoy, mm-hmm. but then there's the scenes of them just kind of like at a barbecue pit. And like nothing's really happening, right? Or like I don't know, like the, the conversations they're having are kind of like not really that interesting, right? And I think that that's their version of writing improv right. scenes, yeah. But yeah. the thing that makes the improv scenes sing in movies like Knocked Up mm-hmm. is because they're in the moment, and so no one is expecting what the next thing that someone is saying, yeah. and so it's exciting, and yeah. so everyone's in it. But when they've rehearsed it a bunch of times and then they're playing the scene and the scene is meant to emulate one of those scenes, it just doesn't play the same way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a very interesting experiment. Yeah. Um, another thing that I found really interesting is the movie is so, you know, it, 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 it's never met a reference that it didn't like. Right. You know, it's it's filled to the brim with Star Wars quotes and alien quotes. Right. And like film puns. Right. Jason Bateman's character's name is Lorenzo Zoyle. Right. For no reason. Right. Just to kind of tickle itself. Yeah. And yet there are so many lines in this movie that are so good that I thought they were references at first. Yeah. Like, like, like I'm on a mission from God. Tell him you failed. That's a fucking cool line. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, is that from something?" Because I mean, like, cool. I'm, I'm on a mission from God. It's Blues from Brothers. Blues Brothers. Yeah. but I don't know that the response is. Yeah, from like, Blues this is Brothers. not your mission. I'm on a mission from God. Telling me failed. Yeah. Uh, there's uh or like when when Graham gets shot and he's like, "Oh, that 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 was close." Oh my, I'm like, "Is that from something?" Because it just feels like it is. Yeah. Because it's such a movie moment. Yeah. This is a movie that loves being a movie. Yeah. Kind of in an Edgar Wright way, but also like Edgar Wright. I don't know if could ever make a movie that's chill. Yeah. I kind of like it has such a big heart. Who who do you think could have directed this better than Greg Matola? Yeah, at the time, I don't know because like I said, Paul the Game Night guys, but like they weren't directing stuff. No, then. John, Francis I don't even Daly. know that they were writing yet. Yeah, or they might have been, but <laughs> I don't. It would have looked like it would have looked like him and Freaks and Geeks directing he, a movie. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. John so. Francis Daly. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Paul Feig. Paul Feig. Because he's gone on to do genre stuff. That's true. Like Spy, Simple Favor, uh, the one where, the one about Wham, yeah. Last Christmas. Right, Last Christmas. Yeah, but then I don't know Ghostbusters. Um, yeah. But <laughs> the most hey, obvious one. Answer with the call. Kristen Wick. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that, I think you're not wrong about that, but I think he would have wanted to have his hand in the script. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. Because Matola's a good choice, but... Like on paper, I'm like, oh yeah, they trippers, super bad. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, you know. But then when it goes into the, I think this is a really good looking comedy. Director yeah. of photography, Lawrence Shear. Director of photography of the Joker. Yeah, yeah. Um, be nice to people. Be nice to mentally ill people if they're going a rampage. That's what I always say. <laughs> Better be nice to me, society. Uh, I was surprised at how much it looked like Joker, actually. Yeah, like just from like a lighting cinematography, mm-hmm. and also the Hangover trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She shot all those. Yeah, where you can just like look at it and you're like, yeah, yeah, I can tell who did this. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Once you pointed it out, I couldn't unsee it. Mm-hmm. Um, There's that scene where, where Paul murders those guys and then he does like a spiritual transformative dance in a bathroom. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wonder if like what if um, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg had directed this? Hell yeah. 
That would have been cool. Yeah. They've, they've done a really good job of balancing the improv stuff with that Swiss oh, watch God, concept. Yeah. yeah, this is the end. It's kind of a miracle of a movie. Yeah. And that it works so well. Right. Uh, because it it's definitely written like I don't know that a lot of that is improv mm-hmm. uh, because of all the special effects it would make it really hard to yeah. do that. So like the demon having like a huge dick or like yeah. the possession of Jonah Hill. Yeah, yeah. I almost wonder if this movie would have been improved had they directed it. Yeah, but they weren't there yet. It's right, like they were three years out. Like imagine the action and yeah, stuff in this directed That's by them. True. Yeah, because what did they make after this is the end? It was Sausage Party. No, it was the interview. The interview. I, I'm a fan of the interview. Yeah, and then they did the the preacher pilot, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they did the Black Monday. Is that Black Tuesday? Yeah, I never Black watched Monday? it, but I think it is called Black Monday. Yeah, Black Monday. That's a good show. Um, I like surprisingly. So yeah. For something that no one is talking about, it's like a pretty good show. Well, we're in the era. Of, we're in the era of peak TV. Yeah, it's true. There's too much. Um, you can't watch everything. I've, I've been I've been told Sex Education is really good. Probably never gonna watch it. Nope, never gonna watch it. Um, Daybreak, never gonna watch it. Yeah, yeah. Love Sick, never gonna watch it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's just not gonna happen. Um, yeah. I don't know. Just I offended don't, like four groups of people. Sorry, everybody. Four different fandoms. It's just not gonna happen. Um, who was who was like a who was like a Spielbergian? Type director at the time Man I don't know The first thing that Popped in my head Was J.J. Abrams Oh my god Actually Yeah they And he has the relationship With Simon Pegg Definitely Wow That would be really cool It would have been nice To see him direct this Yeah Cause he's, cause it, like, it wouldn't have been it, Cause then the comedy Would have all come out Of just character moments Because that's his whole deal Yeah Actually. Star Trek is Some hilarious moments Actually I'm like really into that. The idea that he would have directed this between Star Trek and Star Trek Into the Darkness instead of Super 8. Yeah. Because Super 8 is also like, you know, reverential towards yeah. Spielberg. Yeah. He would have had so much fun with like the Five Tones and the Devil's Canyon. Yeah. Um, Matt Reeves would have been interesting. Matt Reeves would have been really cool. Early, early Matt Reeves. Yeah. You Drew know? Goddard. Oh, Drew Goddard. Yeah. Man. Because we know he's great at comedy. He directed The Good Place Pilot. That's true. Well, I mean, he directed Cabin in the Woods. There's Cabin in the Woods. comedy in that. Yeah. Actually, yeah, Drew Goddard is might be like the best choice. Mm-hmm. That might be the one. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. Man. Spielberg is makes a vocal cameo in this movie. He does. Yeah. And there's like, there's like, layer- it, it reminds me of like a Tiny Toons gag. It really is. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, he would just like show up. Spielberg mm-hmm. would just be like in a pitch meeting with the Animaniacs. Yeah, or something. yeah. Um, and then that there was like a uh, 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 like layers of reference because like in that in that scene Spielberg is like p- riffing pitching ET ideas to Paul yeah and he's like what if it was kind of like a messianic thing where he heals someone and apparently that wasn't what he was going for he didn't think about it but then critics of the movie were like oh it's like it's it's messianic he's Jesus and he was like that'd be funny if that was my idea in this universe <laughs> like, oh yeah it could be like Jesus. That's funny. Oh, and um, he's in the Raiders arc. He's in the he's in area he's in Area Fifty One. Oh right, yeah, he's in the yeah he's in the, the top men. Yeah, he's in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, From yeah, him at the Crystal Skull. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I really like this movie overall. Um, you know, there are little bits here and there that don't quite work. There's a lot going on. Like, there's a lot of people going after them. Yeah, because like, you've got you've got um, John Carroll Lynch. Right, uh, Zodiac. Right, yeah. 
You've got so that's uh, that's uh, uh, Christian Wiggs' dad mm-hmm. in the in the movie. Um, even though I don't think they're that far apart in age, in <laughs> real life, yeah, uh, she's not that much younger yeah, than him. I don't think it's like it's like forty five, thirty four. Yeah, like yeah, it's something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Zodiac Killer, uh, and then you've well, got Lorenzo's Oil. La, yeah, Lorenzo's Oil. Uh, Jason Bateman. Yeah, you've got Bill Hader and Joe Latrulio. Yeah, and it's just like, and then you've got the two uh, the two rednecks. Yeah, that they just keep bumping into. So it's just like it's a lot of just like r- yeah. running around it and almost, running from people. It and, almost kind of feels like Bubble Boy sometimes. Yes, yes. Yeah, like a road trip early two thousands comedy. Yeah, it definitely does occasionally feel like that. Yeah, um, it's like it's a little more like the humor is so broad in this that it almost I can't I can't tell if it's if that is if Peg and Frost are just naturally more broad and zany when they don't have Edgar Wright in the room. Right. Or if it's them sort of, I don't want to say aping, but them sort of emulating that American style of comedy. Well, I think that... Like Spaceman Balls. Yeah, I think that Spaced is extremely zany, but the thing that grounds it is that Edgar Wright weirdly doubles down on it by like making the camera work zany as well. And so it just, it makes everything feel like Mm otherworldly. Whereas whereas here... It's just like people fainting. Like we were talking about, like you could literally do a drinking game of like every time someone is is. Uh, I'm not unconscious. Over, I don't think I'm over exaggerating to say that like seven people faint. Yeah, there's a part where they run out of a comic book store and a background extra just faints. Yeah, and they don't even call attention to it. You right. can see this lady like there's so many people fainting, and then not just fainting, but then there's also a bunch of people who are like knocked unconscious, knocked unconscious, nut shots. There's a few nut shots. Of yeah, quite a few. Nut there's shots. a scene where Jolie Trulio, good on him for making it work, but just kind of un un unpromptly grabs Paul's nuts. Right. Because he thinks it's a statue and yeah. it's just like... Spaceman balls. He wants to try to look at the spaceman balls on the thing that he assumes is a mannequin, which I don't know why he would think that was anatomically correct, but yeah, he apparently thinks so. Um, that's another thing that only happens in movies where someone will see like a thing that's real and is fake, thinking that it's fake. And like, whoa, cool Spider-Man outfit. It almost looks real. Yeah. Like, I've never seen that happen. I've never no. been like, whoa, cool. Well, I mean, it mark. can't happen in real life because Spider-Man's not real. <laughs> because Spider-Man and aliens are real. <laughs> well, aliens are real. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, um, yeah, I mean, I just have, I have like, I have, I have a fondness for Paul because I like watching Simon Pegg and Nick Frost hang out. Yeah, and it's such a lovable movie, and yeah. their relationship is so big and open. And he calls him Sausage. Yeah, Sausage and Eggy. Yeah, Sausage. That's so cute. Yeah, and I, like they're allowed, they just let themselves be cute, and yeah. they share a bed. They're very much themselves. They're very much themselves. Yeah. Yeah, they, they do really do at their but I think this is almost the purest example, ironically, because it might be the weakest movie together. The purest like Laurel and Hardy to comedy bumbling, like sharing yeah. a bed on a road trip together. Like, yeah. Those first scenes of them just like at Comic-Con are so beautiful yeah. and dorky. Yeah. It's been lately in, in the year of our Lord 2020. I've, I feel like I've grown to hate nerds again uh-huh. and hate geek culture. Yeah, that's fair. And it's tough to be reminded that it's it rough can, out there that it can be something pure, <laughs> yeah, and just loving. Right, and like look, oh, we're oh Adam Shadow Child, you yeah, know, like, yeah. Oh, we're in Area Fifty, and they just high five when they see yeah. like, something cool, yeah. That they're not like oh, but women are fucking uh, birds. Oh, Sonic beat birds of prey. 
and the ball with his dick, with his dick, with his sonic dick, spaceman balls. Uh, gotta go fast. Gotta go fast. <laughs> Flop. <laughs> God damn it! It almost feels like a bygone era. Ugh, the worst. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm sad that like it's not like this anymore. Mm-hmm. That it's not so innocent. Yeah, yeah. Because we gave him too much power. Well, I don't think it's that. I think I think that I think. I think they're all uh, Honestly I think they're all fake nerds And yeah. I think they only got into it Because Nolan made it popular Sure I literally think that's what it is No it's like heat Look Yeah right It's not Batman is heat Right exactly It's like oh man I can I can I can watch this with my dick Like Yeah So it's like The Chinese won't extradite their own Yeah That sounds yeah. like something a grown up movie says Right right And so like I, they're They're all Fake yeah. geeks, yeah. Um, and this is but like also I don't know. Really like. Sometimes I'm on, not to get on a tangent, but sometimes I'll be on Twitter and I'll read like a a tweet the, the kind I just made fun of about like oh yeah Sonic beat Birds of Prey or whatever or like oh, and I'm looking at it I'm like you this is an 11 year old this is an 11 year old boy yeah and we're getting mad at him with adult anger and I I don't know because it, it kind of harkens back to like you know when we were in the playground growing up and yeah. There'd be kids who were just like had to. It wasn't enough that they owned a PS4 and their or PS2 and their friend owned an Xbox. The uh, Xbox had to suck. Xbox right. has shit games. Yeah, honestly, I kind of wish that anyone under eighteen could not get social media accounts. Yeah, and if they signed up for them, you could report them as underage. Yeah, fair enough. Like that's what I wish yeah, we could do that Where it's like we don't even have to respond them Just report them as underage yeah. and they get booted off Because then I also get kind of Because then when, every, when like adult Film blogger people Start shitting on this child That said a shitty Dumb thing but is clearly and I'm, is, is a kid right? I'm like well now this kid's getting like adult hatred Thrown at them and that's right. not cool either Right I hate right. all of it. Which is just making them then double down on their opinions and not grow as people yeah. because they're being bullied. Yeah. You know? So it's like it's they're bullying, but they have an excuse because yeah. they're a child. Like when I don't want to you know, like when some blue check mark person quote tweets a kid with a shitty take on something and then that kid has like eighteen hundred replies calling him like an idiot right. and a mistake. Yeah. I hate Kill all yourself. Of Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, all of that shit. Yeah, all of that's bad. Um, but in any event, and Paul and Paul sort of is like the antithesis of that, right? Where it's very just nice, this big-hearted, yeah. geek geeks are fun. I mean, it, it includes like things that are like a little funky, like all the slave layers, and right? Yeah, stuff like that. But it's like it's in three a, boobs, awesome. Yeah, right. Three boobs is awesome. That, but that's that's a that is sort of like in a what I would view as like a a, a mostly harmless way. Yeah, where it's like it's not being like. Like possessive, creepy. Yeah, yeah. All these slave layers better have sex with me, or I'm gonna dox them. Right, where it's just like they're just kind of happy to be taking pictures with a bunch of hot girls. You're like, hey, hot yeah, girls. yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's like, okay. I mean, it's like, it's kind of harmless. Like, yeah, it, it it has now evolved into gross stuff, mm-hmm. but like. Back then, it was like mostly harmless, and like I don't, I I don't miss the slave Leia. Fetishization, Fetish, yeah. fetishization yeah i don't i don't miss that at all mm-hmm. um i've always been uncomfortable with it but but like it's also just so like gen x-y and yeah it, it already feels like a bygone era yeah we're like when i think of the slave layout 
thing i do think of like ross from friends right or like oh my god remember when Kristen bell had to be slave leia and fanboys right remember fanboys yeah remember when it was like we have to release it when did that happen i was it before this i think it was before this because remember they shot it and then it was in a in a vault for like five years oh yeah and then harry knowles was like we have to do has to see the light of day we yeah. have to say we have to have go see fanboys everybody <laughs> miss i miss him that's right because that because <laughs> that ra- rapist kept it in a vault for a while yeah because he refused to let yeah. their edit go free yeah, you cut it you cut the fanboy picture oh, man. Uh, you got to take out the can't a story line. And then he hopped on his walker that he's always used. Yeah, always. <laughs> That's definitely not for show. Oh, what a shithead. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh but yeah, like I think this is a fun movie. Yeah. It's not great, but then sometimes I don't know, like like in a weird way, I feel like Edgar Wright would have I don't know if it's in his blood to make a mediocre movie. Right. A movie that is just passable and fun and a fun yeah. watch. Right. And I think this is what Paul is I think that's what Paul is meant to be. Right. It's. You know. I mean, that's our. That's literally our uphill battle in this next season. Yeah. Because World's End is the movie that everyone thinks is his mediocre one. Right. And um, we're like, and, no. it, and we're like, no, it's actually a masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, sit down and listen. <laughs> I guess I just don't get how you can watch World's End and think that it's mediocre. Right. You. I can totally get being like, not my cup of tea. Sure. Not my favorite. But yeah. it's. I mean, it's like looking at like a Renaissance painting and being like, man, it's okay. <laughs> like I'm sure this didn't take years of work and, and structure and planning and going right. back to you know if I really put my mind to it I could have made something like that <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> right <laughs> I just thought of like the Jackie Chan fight bar scene where like camera doesn't cut yeah like yeah sure. easy 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 like, they didn't even uh, they didn't even move the camera like it's you know, it's not. There's no. There's not even any edits. Yeah. You just yeah. shoot it, right? You shoot it, right? You just point the camera at the things that are happening. Oh, God, no big wait. deal. <laughs> so closing uh, thoughts as we, because the, the nothing, nothing left but the the, yeah. the the journey itself. Well, I'll say, I'll say this. I do really love the fact that these three guys sort of like went their separate ways for one round. Definitely. Um, so that when they come back. I think it prepares us for what the world's end is about. Unfortunately, I think that it came out at a time where nostalgia was starting to hit that tipping point. Right. And so it comes out and it's a movie that's being like, mm, nostalgia's not great. And yeah. here's why. Mm-hmm. It can ruin your life. <laughs> and I think a lot of people were not ready for that message right. at yeah. the time mm-hmm. um, because they were like, Star Wars is coming back. And you know, like all of this stuff. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to, everything's, everything's. The house is coming there's, back. There's Transformers movies. All the things I loved when I was a kid are back and they're they're made just for me. Yeah. Uh, and I think that the they wanted, I think a lot of people wanted just more of the same. Yeah. They, they wanted, wanted Hot Fuzz, but with sci-fi. Yeah. Right. And they just, they, they were like, yeah, you know, like. I just want to go back like nothing, no time has passed. And they were all like, but time has passed. We've all grown as artists. We've literally grown older. We want to make a movie that reflects on all of the things that we remember loving, but also the complications that come with adult life, adult life and what it feels like to not let that stuff go. Have I compared... Have I, t- have I, 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 in my head, I compare World's End to Pinkerton a lot mm-hmm. in that 
I think that makes sense. Like a lot of people wanted another blue album. Right. They wanted like, you know, two and a half minute perfect pop creations. Right. And instead they got something kind of messy and sad and weird. Yeah. And I think that's what World's End is. It's a very messy, not, well, it's not messy at all, but it, I mean, the, the emotions are messy. Uh-huh. Like Gary King is not a clean protagonist the, no. way that, the way the Graham is. No, because here's the weird thing about that movie. Gary King is simultaneously the protagonist and antagonist. Yes. Yeah. He's literally his own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. He's the world's prote- like antagonist, but he's the movie's protagonist. Mm-hmm. Like he is both being changed and affecting all change in the movie. It is a crazy main character. Yeah. Um, it's, it's baffling. And I think for a lot of people, they just don't get it. It's the reason that I saw the movie so many goddamn times because I was just like, how is this happening? What? Yeah. Like it, it was... kind of kind of reminds me of us. Mm-hmm. And that you can watch the the second and third times you watch that movie are very different. Jordan Peele's us. Jordan Peele's us. Not yeah. the not, two not, of us. Not you and I. <laughs> not you friend. and I. <laughs> How you are simultaneously the antagonist and protagonist of my life. <laughs> it's probably. No, no. I don't know. <laughs> um uh. and I don't know. I guess it's another thing is like Sean and Ed and you can, you know, like, I mean, I can look over at your wall. Sean and Ed and Nicholas and Danny are very clearly defined, iconic, silhouettable characters. Yeah. And if you look at Graham and Clive, they're a little bit more like, hey, they're both nice. Yeah. They're both cool. I guess Clive is a little bit more the straight man. Yeah. He's kind of allowed to be a bit more sardonic and sarcastic. Yeah. Than other Nick Frost characters are, are. Yeah. But like Graham is just kind of like the everyman. Yeah. The, they're both kind of, I get, they're kind of poking fun at their own Britishness. Yeah. Oftentimes. Right. Like the firework bit where they're like checking the instructions and the safety stuff. Yeah. And I think, I think a big part of that problem comes from Greg Matola, who it sounds like with this movie, he was like, okay, great. You guys have your characters and all the acting stuff figured out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to focus on creating a CGI creature and doing these action scenes and shooting a, a movie that looks and feels different from other studio comedies right now. Yeah. Um, and I think he did that. But as a result, things like silhouettes and, and that important stuff, that stuff that makes your movies iconic, mm-hmm. took a back seat yeah. in a way that it wouldn't have if Edgar Wright or a director of his ilk yeah, had done this. Definitely. Joe um, Wright. Not right. Joe Wright. Joe Cornish. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, so I think that that's, I think that that's ultimately the, the problem with it. I, you know, like if this had had, if, if Naira Park had gotten the, the, um, the costumer from uh, the Cornetto trilogy to come do this, yeah. I think that the movie would have, just that change alone, mm-hmm. the movie would have felt a lot yeah. better. It's like, oh no, they're just both in nerd shirts, right? And instead, we just yeah, we just get and two and, Gen Xers yeah. in nerd shirts. And Clive has like kind of longer hair. Yeah, nerd graphic tees. Um, and then it's like, but like you know, that costume designer was busy making Scott Pilgrim. So right, yeah. What are you somehow do? making t-shirts and jeans iconic? Yeah, where you're like, oh, that's Kim Pine. Yeah, that's Knives Chow. Yeah, that's Young Steven. And that's the thing, man. That's the difference. Young that's Will. That's the thing that I that that I love about because like we were talking about that scene well you were talking about that scene where the yellow light hits mm-hmm. and the cinematographer was like, 
yeah, this isn't a realistic lighting scenario, but it's what you want in a in when you're watching a movie. Yeah, you want those yellows bursting through the trees, right? Scanning them, right? You know? um, that's that's what is familiar to movies because movies aren't real; mm-hmm. they're they're heightened reality. Yeah. But then the movie is like dressing everyone like it's just regular reality, mm-hmm. and that makes it feel a little bland and makes yeah. the characters feel a little bland. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, you know, I I, he- I hear this all the time with actors is like they'll put on the costume and then they'll be like, oh, I'm this character now. Like, I feel like I know this who character this person is. I know who this person is. And here I feel like they got dressed and they were just like, I mean, I, I guess they're like this. I don't yeah. know. You know, who, you know, who slips into their characters like a glove are and I think might be the best performances in this movie are like Jason Bateman and Bill Hader. Yes. We're like easily. I think now it's a little easier to buy those two in 2020, but if you go back to 2011, Jason Bateman like very effectively plays like a badass, intimidating men in black villain. Yeah. Not men in black villain, but like a, a, man, a G-man villain. Yeah, G-man. And Bill Hader's arc of like bumbling buffoon to like sadistic hunting, like killing machine. Yeah. In the last like five minutes of this movie. Yeah, you were like, oh, th- there's Barry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's some really cool shots in this movie of, right. of like action shots. Yeah, for sure. Like like the, the that moment, the, the turn where you learn that Bateman's a good guy and he takes out the SWAT team. You're yeah. like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, it is good. Um, yeah, it's a, I think it's an underrated movie because it's so dismissed mm-hmm. by most people. So I think it is underrated, but I also recognize that it's like a solid like C plus B minus movie. Yeah. Um, really good and, David Arnold score. Yeah, but like sometimes, like a C plus B minus movie's not, not, not. Uh, it's, it's, like, it's like comfort food. Yeah, you know. Um, so I, uh, I think it's a, I think it's a fun watch. Honestly, it's yeah. it's better than you probably remember it being. And a really good Seth Rogen performance. It is a really good Seth Rogen performance. That is true. That is very true. Um, Paul's a Paul's a cool character. He is. I, I like how he sort of. You you forget that he's a, a CG creation, really. You do because he is so human. Yeah, and he has so many like little moments. Of Honestly, it. the fact that this is 2011 and he, that it holds up is surprising. That's really true. There was almost no moments watching this movie where I was like, "Oh, that hasn't aged really well." No, like, it didn't even. It it never. I've never felt disconnected at all mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. I like I didn't really even think about it being a CGI character until we were just talking about it just now. Yeah. And like I know it is. I even made reference to it early in the podcast. I intellectually know, but I didn't really fully think through the fact that like, oh yeah, yeah. That is made in computers and it never once took me out of it. Yeah, just little moments where he's like smoking with them yeah. or like rummaging through the fridge and he's like bagels and cream cheese. You know, kind of yeah. like to himself. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah. Um, it's uh, and also shout out to Joe Latrulio who was the onset Paul. Oh right, yeah. Much like how Sean Gunn was like the onset Rocket. Right, right. Um, very different vibe from Seth Rogen. So yeah, I'd be really interested to watch stuff to see how Joe Latrulio was that if he emulated that vibe, that kind of laid back because he doesn't get to, he never gets to do that. Yeah, he's always Charles. uptight guy. Yeah. yeah. Charles from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's always that guy. You know what else he's in? I love you, man. Oh, he is in that as the, the football fan that like his voice goes up and down. Right. He's he's a guy that I would really like to write something different for. Yes, because I like him a lot. Yeah, he's so good, and I feel like he's only ever allowed to play like two notes. Yeah, sidekick. Yeah, 
the side, like, side, sidekick guy. The over-enthusiastic dork. Yeah. Side, over-enthusiastic sidekick dork. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what he is in everything. Yeah. Um, even in uh, even in uh, Wet Hot American Summer. Definitely. Like, yeah. that was, like, the first time he was in a movie and, like... He's that guy. He's that, he's that guy. And he's always been that guy since then. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got to be tired of playing that yeah, guy. Because he's so... Well, he was in that... He was in the reading that we saw of Roundtable. Yeah, he was. Who was he? I don't remember. He wasn't good though. I remember that. Who, what character? He wasn't one. He wasn't any of the knights. Was he? No, he wasn't. He knight. was one of the knights. Wasn't he the grocery store guy? The guy that owned the one that's Ricky. Wasn't he Ricky? The, he was Ricky Gervais. Yeah, he was because it was Ricky Jay Farrow was Idris Elba. Right. The uh oh yeah 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 and then uh, um what's his name was who was Simon Pegg? Who was the lead? Oh, it was um, dude from Gotham. And uh, uh, the bald guy, Gotham and Barry. Oh, Noho Hank. Noho Hank. Yeah, yeah. he was really good. Yeah, yeah. He was like really good to a point where you're just like, man, you need to be in pe- one of these. People are, people are doing you dirty. <laughs> yeah. You got that alopecia and people are doing you dirty. They're like, oh, he's a big character. I'm like, no, he could be a romantic lead. He could be a, he could be the dude. Yeah. You know, but we only let like one kind of person be the dude. You're right. Man. Yeah. That's another reason that really motivates me as a writer is I have such a love for actors. Yeah. And I I know I feel frustrated as an actor when I'm only allowed to play two notes. Right. And I'm like, I could do so much more. And you're like, people have died. Like never getting to like, you know, when I think about like actors of color from like the 20th century. Yeah. That, you know, could have done anything. And we're only allowed to be like, here, here we are. Get out of the get out of my cab. Right. Yeah, I saw a tweet the other day and somebody was like, at some point, like he's they're like, all I want for my acting career is to one day play the asshole who after uh, the boss set, gives some orders, they they respond with, yeah, you heard him. Get to work, everybody. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, that is a character, isn't it? <laughs> In like so many things. Uh, I, I was I was watching uh, I was watching Hitch the other day. Yeah. And there's a part where. um uh, Michael Rapaport gets to say one of my favorite only you only ever heard a movie you know what your problem is Hitch you don't do this and I'm like I wonder if I'll ever get you know what your problem is main character you work too much <laughs> you don't let people in <laughs> shoot shoots a basketball <laughs> oh man that's a fairly good uh, Michael Rapaport honestly Ma! Ma, it's that fucking cat it's a again. Fucking cat, Ma, look uh, at it. Oh God, why is it? Why does it look like that? Uh, oh, there's also a part in Birds of Prey where uh, uh, Cassandra Kane yeah, says, Air quotes. Uh, "Yeah, yeah, uh, you might want to come take a look at this, or I think you should take a look at this." And I'm like, "Yeah, you only ever hear that in movies." Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, there are some very, very movie lines. There, there's some like real forced exposition in this movie. Like at the beginning, For when, sure. when they get the the pizza delivery, the room service. Yeah, and then they're just he's like, "Oh, you going on a road trip?" Because he sees their map and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, we're going. Uh, we're doing the the alien route." And he's like, "What?" He's like, "Oh, you know, we're going here and we're doing this and this and this." Yeah, tell me more. Yeah, and, and he's like, oh, "I don't know anything about that." And <laughs> he was like, "Wow, keep going, keep going." 
I thought the exposition. Maybe I'm, I'm I'm writing something right now, so I'm very mindful of like, oh, that was good exposition. Yeah, that was good. Where where Paul is very quickly being like, I was captured or I was abducted, and then I I zapped my escort and I took this car and I drove, and I'm like, oh, cool. That was like four sentences, and I don't feel overwhelmed. Yeah, I feel like I I got a picture in my head of how that happened, and I buy it. Right. You know, it was enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You didn't need like a flashback of it happening, like right? A visual, because sometimes you're like, "Well, it has to be visual. You can't just have exposition and dialogue." And like, "Oh, you can sometimes." Yeah, yeah. Um. So okay, so that is Paul. Yeah. And now you know we're about to transition into our final season of the show. Mm-hmm. Um. With I assume the occasional uh uh like I'm sure we'll end up doing a review of uh of uh. Last night in Soho. Last night in Soho when it comes out. And we'll probably drop like a Baby Driver review at some point too. Sure. Um, just for completionist sake. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, in general, I mean, this this is it. Last um, call. Yeah. Oh, and if A Fistful of Dollars ever or A Fistful of Fingers mm-hmm. ever comes out, um, which it keep they keep threatening that a Blu-ray is coming out this year. Yeah. But I think they were saying that all last year too. Right. And it never happened. Um, so hopefully Fistful of Fingers happens. Um, but yeah, so, uh, and this is probably gonna be our last minute podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's anything else. The only, uh, there's only one other series that I would want to do a, a movies by minute podcast of, and I would really like to, but also the idea of doing another, another. season, any, even one more season of a movies by minute is like exhausting. Yeah. Just the idea of it is exhausting. Um, cause there's so much work that are they still put into it. Are they still kicking? Are they, is that still a thing that's happening? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. To a point where like, I don't really interact with every, that group anymore mm-hmm. because it's just like, they, I don't know. It's, 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 there's a lot. There's just so much. Yeah. Um, is there a scream? Is there a scream in it? No, that was that's the other I know. series. Yeah, yeah, that's the other series. Um, that would be the other one that I I have thought because we were waffling between Cornetto. Scream and Cornetto. Yeah, but we thought that Cornetto fit our uh, two best friend goofball vibe. Yeah, for sure. Um, from Back to the Future. I mean, what, would the, what would what would Kevin's cover art be for Scream in it? You know, exactly, exactly. Um, it's wouldn't be as good yeah, like we're, we're what you're Stu and i'm randy yeah, right like, yeah like that, that's not fun um we're both ghost face yeah <laughs> like i like what <laughs> you're gail and i'm like the cameraman <laughs> well then you're just we're just recreating the first back to the future oh, art because oh, yeah. you're holding the oh, camera, holding camera yeah <laughs> except you'd be you'd have a ba- backward ba- baseball cap yeah yeah it's i mean i assume that we would just be like two like victims and there'd be like ghost face behind us or something yeah. but um i don't know but uh, i i love the screen movies but i don't i think we'll end up just doing like commentary for that series sure on uh, the patreon at some yeah. point um and that'll be enough yeah i don't know what i want to do after we and world's end i know i don't want to stop being a podcaster sure i just don't know what that looks like yet yeah, well, we got we've kept Doctor's Companion until the end of time. Yeah, until until all three of us are dead. Yeah, until the world burns or all three of us are dead, whichever comes first. Um, <laughs> but uh, in the meantime, the world's end. So we'll be starting up the world's end in about a month. Yeah, from uh, the time you're hearing this. And, Last call. Um, yeah, uh, I am very excited about it. I'm very excited. Um, I am also. 
You know, it, in both cases, mm-hmm. with both Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, I was very anxious. Whereas, like, with Spider-Man and Back to the Future, I for, for some reason, I didn't get as anxious. But mm-hmm. there's something about these movies in particular that just make me very anxious when we're going into a new season. Yeah. Because it's just like, I don't want to miss anything. Yeah, I hear um, you. I don't know. Uh, but I am really excited. And well, because it feels like we are the fandom. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Whereas Spider-Man and Back to the Future, we're guests in a fandom. Sure. Where we're, 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 you know, you accept that there is Spider-Man exists larger than Spider-Man Minute. Yeah. And it's like, how can I, how can we show these people that we're fans too? Yeah. Or Back to the Future. I feel like we were introduced to so many positive people that are, were just fans of Back to the Future. Right. And found our podcast. Right. Whereas it feels like world, especially World's End, we're banging the gong. We're waving right. the flag. Right. Yeah. Especially with the World's End. Yeah. Um. So I'm really excited to talk about the World's End. I hope that you guys give the the film uh, another shot. And if you haven't seen it before, which a lot of people haven't, mm-hmm. um, watch it uh, before the new season. Please don't listen to the new season without having watched it. Um. You know, there's a lot of set up and payoff that we have to talk about and I don't want to spoil the movie for you. Yeah. Um so please watch the movie first before the new season starts. Um you're going to have a month to do so. Uh and you know, watch it to refamiliarize yourself even if you have seen it before. Yeah. Uh you know, give it a give it a give it a fair shot. Lord knows Scott has. God. Yeah. I'm going to watch it again. Um we're probably going to watch it together. Sure. I haven't seen <laughs> before, it in a, it's been a, I, I think it's been a few years since I watched it. Yeah, so we should probably make some time to watch that before mm-hmm. we start the new season. Um so yeah, that's uh that's what's up next. A Winter's Tale. Yeah. <laughs> a Winter's Tale. Yeah, what was it called? A Winter's Tale. <laughs> yeah, that one. Um <laughs> oh, one of my favorite not is uh when it cuts to um Eddie Marsden. It's like, "What was the musical we did see? Cabaret." Cabaret. Just so full of warmth. Yeah. He loved it. Oh, Eddie Marsden. That was my first experience with Eddie Marsden, you know? So, oh wow. So yeah. like I was unfamiliar that he's like normally like a tough guy. Yeah, yeah like a like a like a hood, like a yeah, creeper. This is like really against type. Yeah. Um and I was I didn't know that. He's so cuddly in this. He's movie. so good in it. Oh yeah. man. Um, all right. Anyway. Well, I could talk about the world's end for <laughs> Uh, about r- roughly 115 episodes. Hey, so, <laughs> so um, thank you for joining us on this uh, this retrospective, this yes. world, this road to the world's end. Yeah, we hope you turned you on to some. I saw a lot of cool movies I hadn't seen before. Yeah, yeah, me too. Same. So, um, all right, we will be back in about a month with minute one of the world's end. Bye. 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 bye.